0: So I've been doing a lot of uh, history reading and research and doing some history studying over the last couple weeks, and um, I came across a historical example that I thought was really interesting. Um, So uh, following Eisenhower's presidency, his vice president Nixon was going to run, and he was running against JFK. And when Stalin's successor, Nikita Khrushchev, heard that JFK was running against against Nixon, he was like, oh shit. Th- this little playboy millionaire with daddy's money who's running as a blue blood, I can control him so much easier than I control the vice president of the general who has given me so much shit over the last eight years. And so Khrushchev ordered KGB agents in DC to help uh, JFK's presidency and to help his campaign. And throughout that period, Khrushchev referred to JFK as his quote-unquote president. And when they met for the first time, um, Khrushchev told JFK that he got him elected. And so, as I was hearing this, and a lot of this I heard in uh, an episode of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, but then some, some other places as well, but as I was hearing this, it was just echoes of so much of all the saber rattling that the democrats and everyone else have done about the unprecedentedness of donald trump it's like no like this is a a foresee like not not an easily foreseeable outcome but this is a foreseeable outcome the blue blood millionaire who's just playing at politics i mean we've already had jfk we've already had reagan like why is another hollywood you know conservative so crazy and not even that but to think that 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 he would be supported by a foreign power and adversarial foreign power is not so insane because it's, it's happened before.
1: When it's also, I think it's, it's part of this, like, like serious, serious pathology on, on the part of like, like keyed in, uh, political people in the States where they're like, Oh, he's so unprecedented and Oh my God, he like breaks all the norms. And like, like, how how they can, like, justify somebody like Mike Pence, who's, like, objectively a piece of shit, is that he's, like, presidential, he meets these requirements, he checks these boxes, he's gone up through the ranks or something. And Donald Trump just doesn't do that. But it's the same shit as as this Catholic whip, whippersnapper coming up on daddy's money, you know? It's,
0: and it's Even not if like, they're different
1: on policy, but... It, and it's not it's like similar. we
0: haven't had, um, you know... Uh, 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 uh. The, the, the list can go on and on of presidents who not only didn't act, quote unquote, presidential, but that, you know, were antithetical to ideas of American democracy. I mean, you think of the Alien and Sedition Acts, you think of uh, Andrew Jackson, who's literally still on the $20 bill, telling Congress, okay, enforce the laws with your own army then. And I mean, then also
1: like being a genocider on top of that.
0: Like it's, I, yeah, yeah, like that's not that, that, cool. <laughs> yeah, like that. That I mean, you know, we, we you know, very easy to discuss. You know, the terrible ideas that all of these things, all of these constitu- oh, the Constitution, all of these, th- all this thinking, and especially the Enlightenment was done by people who were either slaveholders or complicit in a system of slaveholding. Um, but at the same time, I guess it just there is some solace I take. In the fact that this level, this high, you know, hyper high level of, cre- of intrigue and realpolitik has been going on. And is still going on. And it's not something new and it's not something different. And while our tactics may be able to change because of technology, we still have to fight the good fight.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's still, you know, we're struggling for the same shit people have been struggling for in America for, you know, 150 years, really. Or or time. yeah, since the beginning, you know, you, you go back to the whiskey rebellion as like maybe the first time when our kind of politics showed up. But yeah. Same fight.
0: Yep. Yep. But hey, that gives us some hope and it gives us some solidarity with the past. I like solidarity and I like hope, so that's what we can count on.
1: Many months has come and gone
2: since I wandered from my home in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Many a page of life has turned, many
1: a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian Nation, I ride my pony on the reservation. In those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian Nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation. In those Oklahoma
0: hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett. And I'm Carl Roberts, and this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma and left politics in Oklahoma. Um, so, first off, the very first thing we want to say within our introduction is uh, thanks so much to everyone who listened last week. Um, I think both of us can say that we were absolutely blown away by the reception we got—almost 300 listens on uh, SoundCloud. Uh, just completely blown away. Yeah, I think it almost it like doubled. Our, our, our listening numbers
1: and like I think we were we were expecting a much slower build not something that that fast we hope you all are also listening to this podcast so yeah keep coming back
0: oh yeah and um you know as always let us know what you think and let us know how you what you thought and uh we're gonna try and deliver you the best news and uh the best commentary that we can yep um, um
1: and we got, uh, we, got, we got some people after last week, and we want to like, say this at the top, who were like, hey, how can we help, help out? Um, and one of the best things you all are going to be able to do right now is uh, go on the subreddit. Uh, that's at reddit.com slash r slash Uh, And I'm going to put up uh, two different poster designs my um, dear friend Kevin Lyle made for us. And we just love for you all to start hanging awesome. them up around Oklahoma. Oh yeah, they're gosh, super they're cool. so
0: cool. I was, um, uh, I, I, I have yet to meet Mr. Lyle, but, um, this is, uh, uh, something Carl had been working on, and oh my gosh, those posters are awesome. I'm so stoked. And school starts back in Norman on Monday, and I'm gonna be sneaking them around and not getting any permission to hang them it, up.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um... But so that, that's like the, the best thing you can do right now. But always, we love it when you reach out to us and we're always brainstorming new ways for you all to get involved.
0: Yeah, always, always. All right. Well, on to this week in national news. Um, so we uh, have a new wonderful term that, from the uh, dictionary, de Trump, as if you will. <laughs> uh, you know, we had Crooked Hillary, Bad Ombres, Fake News. Um which Lion Ted Cruz. Okay. Yeah. Uh Lil Marco. Some good ones. Some good ones, okay? I swear to
1: God, Lil Marco is just the Cuban version of Marky Mark. Like I that's (laughs) that's headcanon for me.
0: And so this week we got alt left. Alt left. Woo! Woo! Um and so I think you know, the first kind of step we have to take with this is defining the political environment in the U.S. the way I think both Carl and I see it. And I think there's two big tools to do that. And number one is understanding that Republicans and Democrats are the exact same thing, except for, like, social policy that doesn't, like, it impacts some people, but it it is not kind of the broad uh, social change that, like, real leftist uh <clears throat> champion but like you know marriage equality or you know abortion rights like those are fundamental and super important but yeah they are something that's, where, that that's de- where the democrats champion dangerous. to make themselves look like leftists yeah. when they are not leftists and they don't even
1: they don't even like some stuff has come out uh and i think we'll get into this a bit more but some stuff has come out where democrats are like we'll trade like Social policy like being super strong on abortion for being more economically popular. So like the parties are really really simple. This is this is our fundamental conception of American politics.
0: Yeah. And so I, I think that 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 is important. And then I think that the next one that is important is horseshoe theory. Um, the idea that people who are on the left and the right are not on a spectrum that is alienating to each other, that really the alienation is in the center where no one makes, you know, where we have to make these, du- you know, it, it, it's the uh, Affordable Care Act, uh, you know, a bill championed by Democrats and based off a socialist principle of socialized medicine, uh, co-opted by the Heritage Foundation to ensure that insurance markets stay alive. Re- yeah, re-
1: Written by the, the Heritage Foundation. Um, yeah. And like the, the fundamental thing with horseshoe theory is that it says the further you get away from the political center, like, the closer you get to each other. That's the whole idea that there's like a horseshoe instead of like a line. And yeah. if you ask any university political scientist, they'll laugh at you if you say the phrase horseshoe theory because it's fucking idiotic. It's unrelated to reality, has no descriptive power whatsoever.
0: Yeah, but I think it it does do one thing to serve a a, a good purpose, and that is a I think, and I I end up saying this uh, myself a lot because I have a lot of conversations with people who consider themselves to be uh, Antonin Scalia type conservatives, you know, you know, real Enlightenment type thinkers. Um, And I end up having this discussion with them a lot, where I'm like, look, I'm we're we're literally on the same side. Like, if you have intense policy discussions is like we are on the same side we agree on the same things is just that you have decided that capitalism through the like rhetoric that it allows people to be free and is not a quote unquote system of oppression where you have freedom with your capital okay you have bought into that lie and I have just read the people who explained that it's that it is false that is just untrue and that What really goes on under capitalism, it is just exactly the same system of oppression, except that instead of allowing people... It's exactly as much of a system as communism or socialism, except that, actually, if you talk to Marx, he'd probably say that there's more systems under capitalism than there are under communism. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know... I think it would, too. ...the bureaucracy. But that capital is just as constraining, if not more constraining, than communism or socialism. Definitely
1: definitely more constraining.
0: yeah um,
1: yeah and, and when we say socialism and communism we don't mean ussr style marxist leninist state capital but i'm, but I'm carl, in the state capitalist camp here carl haven't you it was not socialism
0: haven't you heard that every historical example of communism ever tried has failed you know i also
1: think that if i call myself a martian that automatically means i'm mars because clearly that's how words You can't, you can't call things by names that don't necessarily match up. I I could go into a lot more detail about why it's bullshit to say that their economies were like socialist or communist, but we don't need to do that here. Just, uh, safe to say not, that was not socialism, everybody. It's not. If if that's what you're thinking of, read a book. Yeah. Not by, like, Ludwig von Mises or something. Or
0: Thomas Sowell or Milton Friedman. Um, Yeah. uh, But I
1: want to I want to go on something that you said, but uh, because I think it's really important, actually, and I'm going to bring it up also in a bit um, Mm. that you're like, yeah, you know, like we fundamentally disagree about capitalism, but we we understand ourselves as like enlightenment people in a certain sense, right? Like rationality is useful, like liberty in some conception, whatever that conception is, is a good thing. Like everyone is equal fundamentally. And I think a lot of a lot like a lot of the political spectrum in the U.S., even even relatively right wing people like Antonin Scalia think that, mm-hmm. or rather, he thought that. Thank God he is dead. Good. <laughs> I'm that makes me happy. Um,
0: but are like, you because like, Gorsuch took his seat? I'm
1: not happy about that. I'm, well, I'm not. I'm not happy about either of them. But like that fucking animal of a man, because he died, like union rights got protected. Like, that's <laughs> that's a thing that actually happened.
0: Yeah, um, this is true.
1: And so, like, like I think that's important because to say right now we're gonna get I'm gonna get into some more meat of this because like this term alt left is being used to draw a distinction, used by Trump, used by liberals, even though it was created by Sean Hannity, used by Democrats rather uh, to mm-hmm. describe, like, make this uh, a, a like homologous sounding term for people on the left to the alt right. Yeah. Um. That's why the president used it at this conversation, he was like, oh, alt-left, you know, these alt-left people came here to fight, blah, blah, blah. It's part of that horseshoe thing we were talking about, where it's like, oh, look, if you go far enough away from the center on both sides, you get violence, you get people you know, who don't agree with the basics of society, et cetera, et cetera. And and so the whole point of the term and why he used it, and why it came up is to smear people like us with the same brush, right? Um mm-hmm. uh
0: I mean I mean my my biggest comment on that is just going to be that um yeah it it is um the exact same thing because you know with with that kind of idea of horseshoe theory is that, you know, I think my conception of it a lot more than, than where he twists it and he says, oh, you get so far, you know, to the both sides and they both have violence. is like what really happens is you get so far to both sides that you actually are agreeing and you're actually talking about the same things and having the same conversations and you're dealing with policy initiatives within your own communities and you're being respectful of others and respectful of other sovereignty. And. Rather than having that kind of conversation where you can be like, we're really not that different, socialists and, or, you know, leftists and conservatives can have, you know, really complex policy decisions that are really interesting, in my opinion, without being lied to by this, uh, you know, atmosphere of saying, oh, well, if you get too far radicalized, you're always going to end up being violent. And I think we have some things to say about the kinds of violence, because there are different kinds of violence, and we need to hyperanalyze these things. But when you try and but, but Nazis aren't on that scale. Nazis are an asocial group. They are something that doesn't Um, You know, Nazis and fascists, they don't live within a world, you know, I can find hardcore Antonin Scalia type conservatives that are going to say the same things that John Stuart Mill said about the freedom of the press and the freedom of speech and are still going to have those kind of the same kind of convictions I do about what people should be allowed to say and what people should be allowed to do and the privacy of your own homes. And even Scalia had nice things to say about the privacy of your own home. And my opinion. and there's uh, this is and and the reason I mention that and I and I think it's really really important to say I think it's
1: hyper important to say um and I I'm gonna use the words of this uh dissident Marxist Hungarian philosopher who wrote this this paper called On Post-Fascism in 2000 right mm-hmm. so like 17 years ago he wrote this paper A long time ago and he like identified what these what. Like what the distinction is between like alt right and then us, what Trump calls the alt left. That that I think the alt right does because the alt right like that's what they call themselves. They came up with that. Well, yeah, alt-left because they're not. Fake. They
0: can't literally call themselves Nazis or the KKK anymore. I mean, David yeah, Duke was okay. at this rally. I mean, it, it, it was yeah. a KKK rally. It did, there's no reason to call it an alt right rally. It yeah. was a Nazi and KKK rally.
1: And that's and and I mean the thing is like I think there's something to be said for saying yes you all are or. Alt-right in a way because you all identify as that, but really you're just repackaged like neo-confederate or neo-Nazi shit. Mm-hmm. Like you're not any different except for like maybe your aesthetics. And there's some interesting Benjaminian stuff to talk about there, but I don't need to go into that. Yeah. I, I, I want to talk about this specific point from this article. This article's super long. It's way too complex for here, and I don't think it's like necessarily too relevant to the conversation except for this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just gonna read this paragraph. Um, post-fascism finds its niche easily in the new world of global capitalism without upsetting the dominant political forms of electoral democracy and representative government. It does what I, um Gaspar Mik- uh, Miklos Tamas,
2: <clears throat>
1: that's the guy's name, consider yeah. to be central to all varieties of fascism, including the post-totalitarian version. Sans Fuhrer, Sans One Party Rule, Sans SA or SS. Post-fascism reverses the Enlightenment tendency to assimilate citizenship to the human condition, and what he means here is saying, you know, at the start of the Enlightenment, you basically have a bunch of rich white guys who are like, "We are rich white guys. We're we're not landed gentry. We're not aristocracy, but we think that aristocracy doesn't have like you can't justify aristocracy having all these rights. Like citizenship is something that should be, belong to everyone who's a property man, right?" Mm-hmm. A white property that was the enlightenment thought but the the reasoning was essentially like a universalist set of reasons and so as time has gone by we have kept saying you know women should have the right to vote for example uh black people are humans too yeah like native americans are humans etc 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 you know lgbtqia people are human etc and so extending this moving this forward saying citizenship is a universal thing And the rights and attendant things that go along with that should go everywhere. And the Antonin Scalia's of the world are in that vein of thought. They're just still trapped in, like, the 1600s. John Locke doesn't think Native Americans are, like, actual humans, part of it. But the thing is, they're still in the same vein, right? Mm -hmm. And so the alt-right, and I want to use the term alt-right right right now because I want to draw out why these terms are different. And why it's important that alt-left is not acceptable why we cannot use this term and why it's really problematic. And that's because the alt-right is in this post-fascist spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody, Richard Spencer came up with the term alt-right and he is very much into reversing this enlightenment, enlightenment tendency. He is very explicitly saying that no, people of color don't belong here. They don't deserve the rights of citizenship. They should leave. And, and his whole thing is, I'm not violent, I want them to leave themselves. And that's a fucking lie. He would kill them if yep. the time comes to it. I mean, I mean, quite literally, the Nazis were like, how do we get the Jews out of Europe? Oh, let's help them leave for a bit. And of course, they were also willing to kill them the whole time. But like, we know where that ends up. We, well, we have a very good awareness that this is how they feel about it. And the point is that they think that way because they don't think people like this are, are human. Yeah, they don't think they deserve the yeah. same set of rights that we all the way to Antonin Scalia on the spectrum, do think that people haven't deserved.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, and I think that goes to one of the things I said is that Nazis, fascists, the alt right,
1: um, neo Confederates,
0: yeah, they're an asocial, antisocial kind of group. They 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 advocate a structure of society that is less inclusive, and less inclusive societies just don't work. They just you you. you it, it was kind of that discussion we had either uh, you know, last week or a couple weeks ago. Where we were saying, like, immigrants taking jobs. It's like, no, immigrants are always good because they always bring more work. It's like, you always need more workers. There's always more things to build. There's always more things to do. We can always do more as a society. But once you start excluding people and pushing people out, and that I think is such a big part of, I think, both of us, why we consider ourselves leftists, is that the left is the most inclusive. Let's get everybody involved. Let's get as many people involved in this as we can because the more people that are involved, the more strength we have. It's, it, you know, workers and, of the world unite. is like the proletariat is the largest group of all. It's like it, unquestion- includes, it includes every marginalized group. It includes all people of color. It includes... Uh, and not just people of color, but it includes all people suffering and toiling under the yoke of oppression. It always, it always does. And because of that, we have the ultimate binding force. We can have discussions about, you know policy and how do you implicate criminal justice and how do you implicate property justice and how do you protect the rights of individuals to be safe and secure and to have the ability to pursue the things that they want to pursue we can have those complex policy discussions without being oppressed by so many of the forces that already exist and the nazis fascist anti-social alt-right only exists to shove people out and to lift themselves up on the backs of others because that's what they've done for the entire history of humankind.
1: Yeah, and it's also, it's very important that I think we, we, we identify as leftists, as socialists, we talked about this in the last episode too, I think it was, um, because we want to extend that, that like universal political idea that like we all have a right to a say in how we organize our society, we all have a right to a say in, you know, how we should shape society, and, and it's important that we have that right, because no longer is it the realm of kings to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And we want to, the reason we're leftists and not liberals in, in, in a poli sense, rather than in like a liberal conservative sense, is because we think that we should extend that democratic idea from the realm of politics into the realm of economy. I, in fact, we don't think that those realms are like distinct. in ways that are particularly meaningful. And liberals think you have politics and then you have economy economy, and we say this is bullshit. But they, and so like, that's the point is that we are about expanding this enlightenment idea. And that's why we're on the same spectrum here. And that's, that's why this whole alt left shit is so idiotic because what makes them alt right is that they're not like Antonin Scalia because they do and, and they say this expressly all of them say this expressly they're not like Antonin Scalia because Antonin Scalia didn't understand how race is so central to understanding how the world works mm-hmm. and and they they say this regularly all like plenty of them will say this kind of shit and so like when they say it it's it's like a meaningful distinction and of course once again i like you know if you look at neo confederates who don't say they're all right they're the exact same though in this sense because they're saying no Black people aren't humans like us. Or, or if you look at neo-Nazis, they're saying that about Jews, you know, all, all these other ethnic groups, essentially. I, I, I want to, I, I think it's important to also say when we talk about this term, because this is a thing I, I've seen online, it's like kind of inside baseball Twitter bullshit, but it definitely exists, right? And we, we all know that there is this narrative in the 2016 primary that Bernie people did not care about social issues or were like racist and misogynist. Yeah. Um, We should all be opposed to this way of understanding American politics since a woman actually standing up and doing shit instead of eating fucking sheet cake on SNL uh, got killed in Charlottesville standing up for this shit and being a socialist. And this term alt-left was created by the writers, created by Sean Hannity. But liberals have been using this to be like, no, you socialists, if you care about these economic issues, you're racist or a misogynist or a sexist. And I'm not saying we don't have racists and misogynists and sexists and so on in the movement that it happens everywhere. We live in a, in a racist and misogynist world. And I'm sure that we've said some things that people have found offensive and we want to be better. But
2: mm-hmm. the point
1: is that like, this is not a defining characteristic of this movement. And, and the people who are out there defending people of color, women, and, and oppressed people around the world are not Liberals who are calling us the alt left that then Trump can use to weaponize like against us. Yeah, it is us. And if you go, if you go read stuff from Charlottesville, um, Cornel West, or uh, to, to use his language, brother Cornel, um, <clears throat> he he was there in Charlottesville, and he, he quite literally said that he would be dead, like he 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 might have gotten killed by by these these neo fascists who showed up with actual guns and shit. And we're and, and they did beat Open a guy. Open carry my right. Yeah, which is like okay. If you really believe in free speech and you're bringing all these guns, like
0: Antifa did not bring guns
1: to Charlottesville. They brought we bats. Debate if they Carl, should
0: have. Or not. Carl, Carl. They brought bats and they <gasps> knocked over trash cans. Do you not see how that oh, destroys they, society? They break windows. Did you not? Do- oh, okay, windows keep the rain out. The rain not being inside the buildings is how the shopkeepers sell things. I'm, Do you not know just, how economies work? Oh my god, you're such a liberal. Oh, I bet you really heard this from your liberal arts professor. That, like,
1: alt-right people haven't started chanting window lives matter. Like, that's going to happen.
0: <laughs> Properties more because important Because the, There's people. so much trash
1: that they think windows are more important than life. Um, But no, so, Cornwall West was like these people saved our lives in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Antifa. This... Alt left that we've been smeared as by liberals as well as by Trump, right? And then uh, Slate put out another article that from a person who lives in Charlottesville and who was interviewed, who was there and then interviewed a bunch of people, and basically everybody except for one, most of these people were pacifist, faith-based people, were like, without anti-fawn, this supposed alt left, the actual alt right, you know, these neo-Nazis and neo-Confederates would have at a minimum, beat us, yeah. you know? These are pacifists. These are members of the clergy. The, like, one of them expressly describes how they were, like, a group of clergy wearing clergy clothing, you know, saying, hey, peace be with you, peace be with you. And when Antifa showed up, they were safer. Because they came, they were, like, knocking them over. Antifa showed up and fought them off. And, and one guy, uh, this, this woman, Brandy Daniels, uh, a postdoctoral fellow, at the Loose Project on Religion and its Publix at UVA, so, you know, the university, said, and I think this quote really captures up why anyone who uses the term alt-left should stop talking about politics. Um, Cornel West said that he felt that the Antifa saved his life. I didn't roll my eyes at that statement or see it as an exaggeration. So anyone who's trying to draw this fucking similarity between us and the alt-right is basically saying that we, who are you know, going out there, putting ourselves on the front line, saving, making people feel at least like their lives were saved by us are the same as the people trying to murder them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I like, think it's, I think, I think to to speak to that, you know, one of the things you said earlier about, um, you know, there are, there are still racist and misogynist within even, you know, left movements is that one of the things that, and I think I can speak, you know, at least for me and, and probably for you as well, I'm sure you'll agree with this is that the cr- most critical prospect or per- aspect of who i am in my political belief other than fuck nazis is i am an ally to you whatever your struggle is whatever your fight is i am an ally because i struggle too I have been under that oppressive yoke. I have had to deal with these issues, and I understand it, and I believe you, and I validate your problem, and I want to hear what you have to say, and I want to hear what you are going through, because that's how we can move forward as a society and as a culture, and we can get past these problems, and what all of that alt-left shit does is it really just makes us sound like... Like we're Nazis, like, like we're, I mean, I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, like we're tankies or like totalitarian Stalinists or something. And like, that is just antithetical to who we are and antithetical to the movement. And it's like these people stopped reading in 1930. It's just like, they don't even understand. Not even then, not even then. If, If you fucking, if you fucking go back, you know,
1: the guy Quite literally, the guy who made, who was like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the 60s, or or in the 50s, rather, was like, I think he's a really good guy to be the face of our movement and so on. He was a union organizer during the Great Depression Mm -hmm. and before the Great Depression. And he understood it like this. And the whole history of the American left has been fighting this, you know, what what we nowadays call intersectional fight. Um, And I'm 100% with you. Like, I stand with solidarity. We're all in the same struggle here. And I get that I'm going to say some fucked up things and, you know, be like, hey, that's fucked up. Let's try and deal with this. Why would you talk like that? You know, mm-hmm. hey, maybe that's something I'm not into calling out people, but being like, hey, you know, let's talk about this. Let's try let's and make to understand sure you stop doing where the
0: problem is.
1: Yeah. And, and working to fix it is, is an important part of that. And that I'm not like that doesn't mean that we don't have those tendencies in us or anything. But we're the ones who explicitly say we're coming out against this. We want to hear if we're doing it. We want to try and fix it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, I think uh, both of how we view this is that, you know, when you have a group of people, you know, it, it's the same, and I think I said this last week too, but it's the same demonizing that happened to the Panthers, and it's the same demonizing that happened to the CUSA, and, or the CPUSA, and uh, it it is that same demonizing where, you know, you have people who are being violently constrained, and then also being, had violence used against them, both implicitly and explicitly, and then they are being told, when they defend themselves and respond and just to protect themselves that they are not allowed to use violence.
1: Or that they're the same as, as the people trying to kill them. Yeah. and that's it, it's, it's disgusting yeah. that, that liberals will talk like that. It's expected from Trump but the fact that it, it is there and it's a meaningful thing in the Democratic Party and coming from people that claim to be on some kind of left is disgusting and yep. you should feel disgusted if you talk like that. Yep. yep well, there, totally. boy, we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. You may be surprised, people in this world are getting organized. You're bound to lose, you fascists bound to lose.
0: All right, well, moving on to our next piece of national news. Uh, uh, we international, have, really. Yeah, international. Yeah, you're right. Um, we decided we wanted to uh, cover a little bit of, uh, rather than talking more about what's going on in North Korea and the problems there, we wanted to talk about South Korea. And uh, South, the South Korean president, Jae-in Moon, um, this week released a statement that he pledges that there will be no war on the Korean Peninsula. And essentially what uh, this kind of boils down to is that there have been, there's been some reporting um, out of, you know, what essentially Seoul and South Korea are thinking and feeling as, you know, the rhetoric between Trump and Oon has uh, kind of, you know, uh, become more volatile in the recent weeks. And basically, you know, Seoul is at a place where they are saying, you know, absolutely not, this cannot happen. We have to make a meaningful detente. We have to work together as an international community to discuss these kind of things with Korea, uh, with North Korea, and to put sanctions and to lever, put, to, to you know, put outside force on them as we can to de-escalate the situation because an escalation only leads to death. And it's also um, like it's it's
1: very important to remember when we talk about this. And and I, there's a there's a quote here. I want to say before I talk more about uh, President Moon. Um, and it's from, what's his name? Uh, God, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, oh. okay. Uh, so he said this to, uh, on the Today Show. He said, if thousands die, they're going to die over there. They're not going to die here. Yeah. Right? And this is on, and, and he's supposedly saying, hey, this is what Trump thinks. And then he goes on to say far, further, uh Trump told me that to my face. And that may be provocative, but not really. When you're president of the United States, where does your allegiance lie? Yeah. And and the thing is, President Moon got elected this year after the, the former president of South Korea was ousted because she was insanely corrupt and they had some absolutely crazy protests going on for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: he ran on a ticket of being like, you know, like North Korea exists Seoul is in artillery range of North Korea. If we go to North Korea, if we go to war with North Korea, we're fucked. Yeah. This does not end in a way that is good for us. And what Lindsey Graham was saying, Trump said, and also then expressed himself was that we, we as America don't give a shit that you all are going to die. That mm-hmm. our, our foreign policy is more important than that. And what's What's really blood curdling to me is is one, how are we going to have allies that like us if we're saying we will let your population die by the hundreds or of thousands, if not millions? and And two, the fact that that is actually a pretty good description of American foreign policy in a way, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think that that, um, I think it lends itself to some discussion of, um, I, I, I think first some of the realities of um, nuclear war, um, you know, where we are, I, I did quite a bit of reading about the Red Scare this week, and, um, uh, and the Cuban Missile Crisis, and, you know, how nuclear war breaks out, there's an escalation, you know, there are missiles that are moved, there are, you know, it's not... You know, they, it's not that, you know, the Kremlin wakes up one morning and decides to smash the fucking button. Um, and it's not that Oon will wake up one morning and decide to smash the button. Um, there are, you know, very, you know, like we said, we've said before, you know, the Kore- the North Koreans, the whole reason they have this missile program is that if anyone invades, they're just going to smash the button then. Like that will be, I mean, there will be a build up to this. And what South Korea is trying to say is that, look, like, we don't need to have this buildup. We don't need to have these, you know, military checks and balances. It's, it's, it's the same problem that we ran into, you know, the, the, the same kind of excuse that uh, military hawks and, uh, you know, capitalist uh, military industrial complex bourgeois uh, government people uh, think of when you put your soldiers in places where they're going to be in danger to the point that you instigate war. It's the Tonkin Gulf. It's the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's uh, both desert storms. It's, it's Iraq. It, it's the it's World War I. It, it's, yeah, it's World War I. It's World War II in the Battle of the Atlantic. We put our soldiers in places where they're going to be engaged. And so what happens is this rhetoric, it ramps up and ramps up and ramps up until someone does something stupid. And, like, it always happens. You know what? A, a, a South Korean's going to fire a rifle uh, accidentally, and it's going to scare a North Korean on, in the DMZ, and they're going to fire back, and they're going to kill a South Korean, and then it's going to be all hell on. And it's all going to happen so fast that, we, you know, what we really have to do is be methodical and be slow. And the rhetoric that Trump has employed is not methodical and is not slow. And it does not put American lives at risk. It puts our allies' lives at risk. Because if that happens, if we go to war in Korea... Right? Well, it they're also, not going to hit the mainland, but what's going to end up happening is we're going to have to have a NATO response, and it's going to put it's gonna, our allies into a, an, an, into a difficult war. It's going to put it, it's going to hurt
1: Japan too, and it's also like this is very important to remember. Like, if if you don't give a shit about going to war with North Korea, you know, like a ton of North Koreans are going to die, and and if you're going to say, oh, North Korea's this terrible regime, there's tons of human rights abuses, one of the worst human rights, like. Abuses ever is war, right? Like I know we have all these rules for it, but human rights abuses always occur and at the end of the day, war is people killing people, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you're pushing for war, some kind of hawkish war with North Korea, you're basically saying that you only care about, you know, the North Koreans suffering under the terribly oppressive Kim regime until you wanna bomb them, right? Until until you say, Well, we have to bomb them to deal with you know, deal with this this government or something. Like like you can't Pushing for detente is pushing for the safety of not only South Koreans, not only our allies, not only Japanese people. It's it's pushing for the safety of, of Chinese people. It's pushing for the safety of, of the North Koreans that you supposedly give a shit about that are suffering underneath the Kim regime. Yeah. And detente's the only way to make sure that, like, maybe in the future we can solve this problem. Maybe in the future we can, we can do something for those people. Bombing the shit out of the country is not going to help anybody.
0: Well, yeah, and not only and- that, but, I mean, it... If anything, it actually hurts their cause um, because, you know, bombing the shit out of their country, um, it it destabilizes the tools that the citizens would have to use and utilize to overthrow their oppressive regime. Because bombing them, that does nothing to the the Kim organization. I mean, that organization has been living in bunkers since 1920. I mean, you're not going to kill them. I mean, even with a nuclear strike, there's a lot of writing that suggests that you're not going to end up taking out Un no matter how fast or tactical it is. Um, Inconsistent. I mean, look at American involvement. Look, look in,
1: look in Afghanistan. How did that turn out in our 17, what, 16 year war in Afghanistan right now? Like, it's bad. It's just bad. Like, look at the destabilization in the Middle East, like 500,000 dead Iraqis from the war in Iraq under Bush. And it is not better for anybody.
0: And, like, and, it did not get better. And let me wrap my tinfoil around my head for just a minute, and then we'll move on to Oklahoma news. But, and not only that, but the destabilization breeds ISIS. It breeds those kind of things. ISIS does not exist. Those terrorist organizations that are so decentralized do not exist unless you have American military intervention. And you know what that gives the Americans? One, it gives them an enemy without borders, without uh, uh, anything to bomb. Uh, you know, any centralized headquarters that is a constant and present threat and it gives them something that's going to instigate. You know, eventually someone is going to bomb something US state type. I mean, look at just this week in the news, the Barcelona attack and then the Paris attack after all this shit in Charlottesville is like Donald Trump could not get alt-left out of his mouth fast enough to say, oh, Barcelona, Barcelona. Oh, there's been an attack. They crave those terrorist attacks. The, the, the Hawks and the military conservatives like that, they crave those attacks because it incentivizes it and allows them to spend more money on bombs, more money on soldiers, and have a great excuse to pour more funding into the military. And that's and all I, it does.
1: I, 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 like, honestly,
0: I don't even think.
1: That like they actually like want the, I th- I I do genuinely think a lot of them are like this is terrible this is bad and they mean it when they say it but what they don't understand is that the policies they love are dependent upon it yep and without it they would they would be bullshit they would be bullshit people like who the fuck believes that we need the U S military we have if if the world was a lot more peaceful than it would be and they and they fucking want the U S military at the end of the day no matter what
0: mm-hmm. yeah well. I think that that's a perfect, yeah, example of what's going on and why we need to be so cognizant of how we deal in international relations with other countries. So, because yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on to Oklahoma news, we have a little bit of uh, Charlottesville touching stateside. We've had uh, a couple, couple fun things, but um, so an elementary school in Tulsa named uh, General Lee Elementary School, there has been a petition circling and some discussion between the school board and several others about whether or not. They should change the name of this school. And there's obviously, you know, in Oklahoma, there's been an enormous amount of pushback. I've been following I uh, several of the Facebook postings by some of the local news sources, and you know, um, it's the it's the general kind of rhetoric. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to mention right up top is that there has been a um, I'm a big Orwell fan. I'm a big dystopian literature fan. Um, those postmodern writers, especially writing either immediately prior to the second world war or immediately following the second world war aldous huxley uh, orwell uh some of those guys those are really foundational thinkers in my opinion for my political belief mm-hmm. and there's been a orwell quote circulating about how the destruction of history allows it to be rewritten and co-opted and I had been tacked over an image of them taking down one of the Confederate statues. And I've seen a lot of my kind of libertarian, conservative, Antonin Scalia conservative friends on Facebook post it. And it's just has nothing to do with what Orwell was talking about. It's literally just like, <laughs> like Orwell, Orwell's discussion of the destruction of history was in reference to the fact that once you destroy history, you can lie to people and tell them it was good. Good. And that is what happened because these statues came up under Jim Crow in the 50s. I mean, General Robert E. Lee Elementary, this, this is not a school is... that has been here since, you know, 1872 or some shit like that. after they lost a, 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 a literal civil war where they were traitors to the flag, after they lost that war, this is not something that happened in that time frame or before it. This is something that happened in the 50s. Because we wanted well, to remind one, black people how low they were. Was it 38? No, this, one, this one's uh, 1918. Uh, okay. It was
1: renamed. But it's the exact same as in the 50s and 60s because that was the first wave of the new KKK. You had this massive wave of the KKK around the turn of the century with the release of uh, D.W. Griffith's Birth of the Nation, which, ironically, first film ever shown in the White House was this fake-ass, fake history bullshit about the KKK and you had this massive push to name things after the Confederacy and shit. Yeah, This huge push that was but then that, also... That also is what
0: Orwell was Midwestern. warning about. That is literally what he was warning about and what he was talking about, was that we take a history of traitors, enslavers, rapists, and, and uh, just illegitimate rulers, and we immortalize them in statue. Orwell would have been applauding the destruction of those statues to remind us of the real history, the true heroes. Robert E. Lee wasn't a hero. He was Who who used who one, he was a general, and two, he was a man who 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 pushed others to battle against a a useless cause. They fought and died for slavery. An evil cause. And and
1: so like like Robert E. Lee also like Lincoln contacted him and was like, Hey, how about you fight for the Union and be on the right side of history? And he said no to that. He said no to that. Yeah. And he fought for a bunch of people and before anybody sends us anything. Anything that says, oh, no, they're fighting for state rights. Fuck you. You're a fucking idiot. You don't know what you're the talking about. And Google Tony Hazy Coates, what this, what this evil war was about. The name something like that. And all Tony Hazy Coates does in this article is just take quotes from the people who were like, we're voting to secede. Here's why the state is leaving the union. And basically all of them are like, because we believe in racism. Because we believe that we have to fight the union to maintain racism and slavery. They say this shit explicitly. So he yeah. fought for that.
0: Yeah. It, it, like, it, if you, it, I mean, and I mean you, you know, you can go literally to the individuals, too, where you can, you know, find exactly what they had to say. But you can also just, I mean, look at the history. You can look at Bloody Kansas. You can look at the Kansas-Nebraska Acts. You can look at, at the introduction of states at that time. I mean, if you're a student of history, there's no states' rights argument to this. And not only that, but if you're, if you're a student of history and then you have any kind of empathy in your soul, you should be screaming, you know, I don't, I don't read ancient Greek philosophy. And when they talk about slaves, I don't just, you know, go, Oh, okay. There's a slave there. I go, fuck, why am I listening to Plato or Aristotle? Tell me how I should live my life and what the ultimate state of being is when they are degenerate, heinous enslavers. Why should I listen to them? That was one of the problems yeah, I true. always had with Western philosophical education is that we rely on the words of Enlightenment thinkers and Greek thinkers who principally were white landowning males who had proper educations at the exploitation of black people, colored people, and marginalized people, and women. Poor but people. Very, yeah. and women. very importantly women. The whole time women. Yeah. The entire time women. I was and raised so... by women, and it was just that. – that is, that is the, the, the book on that.
1: And and this is this is really important. I I think another thing that you say whenever you talk about like destroying history, like the same people who complain about destroying history are the ones who want to rename like the Atlantic slave trade, the Triangle trade, and teach fucking bad history in schools, right? Yeah. And this is this connects directly to this whole bullshit where people are like, oh, if we take away the names, we're forgetting our history or something. Yeah. Like one, who the fuck is driven by that school and been like, hey? child of mine look it's named after a confederate general robert e lee he fought for six. like that shit doesn't happen
0: no one well, has learned that,
1: history from that
0: not not only that but like it, it, it's the exact like i said it's the exact same th- thing that orwell was preaching against is that these are the same people who will tell you that the the, the first thanksgiving was the pilgrims peacefully eating with the indians and that you know, these, you know, they're they're the same people who use the term savage and they're the same people who, you know, advocate, yeah, an understanding of states' rights for the the civil war. It's like, that is false history. Those things are empirically untrue. If you look at the historical record, you look at the archaeological record, you look at the writings of the people at the time. It's like, Christopher Columbus, these are the same people who would be pissed that we renamed Columbus Day because, oh, well, it's our history. It's like, no, Christopher Columbus was a piece of shit and not only that, but he didn't do anything! He did not discover the Americas, he did not no. colonize unique areas, he exploited people, he lied, he stole, he enslaved, and he raped. And he did it all while laughing because they don't have guns. And It, it, it is, this is really exact important. exact rhetoric. This is so important because, like,
1: you don't forget history by changing names, right? And, and I want to talk uh, about, about specifically, you know, we all know I live in Germany, right? Uh, I have one of my two majors, and my bachelor's program was in, like, German culture and society, right? And there's, there's a Tulsa World op-ed about this, and the person who wrote this op-ed is too stupid to be allowed to write anymore. It's official. Not allowed to write anymore. Bill Sherman, stop writing. You're dumb. Um, and he says, he's, he, he uses this line, right? I abhor that Nazis in Germany in the 1930s burned thousands of books to purge the nation of and quote, un-German spirit, end quote, and later burned Jewish Torah scrolls in synagogues. That shit's bad, right? That shit's bad. Burning books, generally not cool, right? Changing mm-hmm. Gen- history, generally not cool. But one of the coolest fucking videos from World War II, right, is uh, the explosion of the swastika that was on top of the, the like, Weimar Stadium where, the, where Leni Riefenstahl uh, filmed uh, Triumph of the Will, right? Mm-hmm. And what Germans did after World War II is they blew all that shit up. it is all gone. There are no statues to Hitler. There's no street named after Hitler. There is nothing allowed in public life related to the Nazis, right? Like, like an American over the weekend got fucking beat up and arrested for doing the Hitler salute in Dresden. And, and Germans know this fucking history. They know about this shit. You ask any German and they'll be like, this happened. This is a thing. Whenever I came here on my exchange here, we had like a, like, Here's I had an orientation course. It's like here's you know how to integrate into German society. And one of the things they taught us as exchange students was like, hey, the Holocaust happened. Here's you know we want to talk to you all about that so you all understand how we deal with that as people you know as the country that did that. Yeah. People know that fucking history. You talk to Americans, they don't know shit about slavery. Yeah. There there are people who will literally say, oh, the Irish had it just as bad as black people. It's it's like this is so dumb. And if you're going to sit here and say you care about history, but then you want to put these people on a pedestal, you want to have a fucking day for these people, you're a fucking liar. You don't know how history works. You don't know how teaching works. Like, do you not know that books exist, for Christ's sake?
0: Yeah. What is this? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's so important and that, that that article ends with the same uh, reference to Orwell. Um, And, you know what, there have been terrible things done by oppressionist governments in the past, but, you know, in in his article, he he lays out um, the destruction of books done by the Nazis, the intellectual cleansing done by Chinese communists, and then the intellectual cleansing done by the Taliban, which, like, Okay, well, the intellectual cleansing that was done by the Taliban was actually done by the US because we blew up all the schools in <laughs> Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait, and then we allied with the Saudis who didn't allow women to go to any of these schools. And, and
1: we also funded the Taliban when they fought against, like, we funded them to do that.
0: So, whenever they were fighting, that's the, um, something that was created under capitalism and then, you know. Ab- you know, uh, then carried out under governments that were elected under these principles. But, like, not only that, but, like I, like, if, like, I agree with the terribleness of burning books, and I agree with the terribleness of, like, an intellectual genocide like what happened in China under the communists there. Like, that, those are real things, and they happen, and we should You're be bad. able to talk about them. But, like, not only that, but, like, I also look at American history books that we give two high schoolers and I'm disgusted because it's the exact same thing. Like just because it's not as bright and pretty uh, or uh, not pretty, but as bright and violent as, you know, executing intellectuals. um, It is just as powerful. It's like telling people that the first Thanksgiving was like this peaceful thing where the pilgrims who were religious immigrants came and gave the, the Indians and the Indians taught them how to use corn and they taught them how to use guns. It's like bullshit. No, they didn't. And this then they peacefully and now they're
1: gone and we're that, here. How did yeah, that happen?
0: You mean we gave we killed eighty five percent of the Native American population that was on this continent with disease, and then we killed the other four other fourteen percent of them with guns, and then we took the other the remaining one percent of this great nation of peoples great individual nations of peoples that we had murdered and we shipped them off to Oklahoma. Is
1: like like I never heard like there was a general whose job it was was like and the general changed which whichever general it was but there was a guy whose job it was was to go to Congress every year and be like we've killed this many buffalo that has resulted in like x many Plains Indians being unable to live and having to come to reservations or dying. Yep.
0: Like and we
1: like that- we we had a position reporting to our government that was literally genocidal and we don't. I had to learn that myself. I yeah. I did not get taught that in fucking.
0: And the not, Indian and not, state and not, and not only, you know, you know, there are great historical examples of how American history has already been, for not lack of a better word for the correct term, whitewashed, but it it I is mean, the right term. It's even, the right term. Even, even even within our personal struggle, like uh, un, un, of understanding as white men is like, dude, talk about the whitewashing of history of socialism and communism. I mean, you know, uh, the domino theory and game theory and all of these things that came down and, you know, you know, the, the, the push against appeasement and the push against, um, you know, all of these things where it, it, it created an environment where you can't, bargain with communists. Anyone who believes in communism is the exact same as a Nazi. I've seen a lot of that recently. And, and it's I, just I like, dude, that... what? How, how have you not even been part of a student of history? You know Ho Chi Minh was democratically elected by all of Vietnam and then we instituted a uh, South Vietnamese president that was literally a traitor and then he was murdered by his own people because he was yeah, a traitor? because he was a murderer. Because he was killing a shit ton of people. Yeah, and then we came in and stepped in militarily. Do you want to talk about how that happened in Korea? Do you want to talk about how it happened in Laos and Cambodia? Do you want to talk about how it happened in East Berlin? It's like, dude, like, like I get that there were other governments doing other bad things too, but our government was doing bad shit the whole time too, and we act like it wasn't.
1: And the exact same people that complain about taking down these fucking statues or changing the name of the school are the exact same people that say, oh, we want a history lesson that, like, talks about how America's good. Fuck you. You don't get to say you want to fucking keep this history around if you're not also going to have the fucking shit in there that says, no, the Confederacy went to war for racism. Yeah,
0: that's... You, you, don't,
1: you can't do both of those things unless you're white supremacist. And that's the thing. These people are white supremacists. Yep. If, you, if you defend these names or these statues, you are straight up a white supremacist. Yep. You may not know it, but you are. Okay. Um, so we're, 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 we're going to do the conservative reading list with our uh, old friends, friends of the show, uh, great friends of the show, uh, the editorial board at the Oklahoman. Um, there's an article published by them on the 13th of August titled, No Difference Will Come From Oklahoma Legislative Session Do-Over. And as you all have probably guessed, this is what, they've been the reading list for like three
0: weeks now? <laughs> Pretty good. Or
1: something? Um, really, really, really impressive. Um, I, I don't know if they're dumber than they were before, but they, this might be the dumbest one they've published yet. Like this, they... I, I'm having a lot of trouble just articulating how stupid this shit is, um, but but the whole point is right, as you could probably get from the title, is that they're saying there's no reason to have a special session to deal with the massive hole in the budget coming from uh, the reversal of the cigarette fee, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's still two more uh, two more things before the Supreme Court right now. Uh, there's the sales tax on cars. And I can't remember what the other one is, but it's unimportant. You know, there are two other places where the budget might be getting these massive polls. Um, And so they start off this article, like, very straightforwardly. They say, this year's legislative session produced four months of dysfunction and incompetence. Totally agree. Uh, This is true. factually accurate. Following an Oklahoma Supreme Court ruling striking down a cigarette air quotes fee as an unconstitutionally enacted tax increase, it appears some politicians want to put Oklahomans through that same
0: ringer a second time. Paragraph break. To which we say, no thank you. And hold the on, first hold thing on. I... I need to pause real fast. He used a colon, which means he has a college education. Which, since he's a white man with a college education talking to me, I feel like I really have to pay attention to what he's saying. <laughs>
1: I feel like I should pay less attention because he's writing for the fucking Oklahoma editorial board. And what they need to go do is jump in the fucking North Canadian and not come out. That's that's what they should do. Um, But here's the important just here. Right. Second paragraph is this one sentence with this colon. And I don't think that means he has a college education. I don't buy it. I don't buy that someone could write something this stupid and have a college education um Uh, you'd be surprised i know i would but i want to believe that my bachelor's means something right um and so here's the thing what he's basically what they're saying right here at the start is we want massive cuts massive cuts across the board to health services in the state of oklahoma for the poorest people Mm -hmm. which is something we have talked about like almost every episode at this point that like they are using poor people's health care as, like, a political cudgel or just showing that they don't give a fucking shit about them at the state legislature, right? Yep. And, and the Oklahoman is saying, uh, that's correct. Not only should we do that, that's good. It's good. Yeah.
2: <clears throat>
1: and now this is going to come back later when he's talking – because, like, the article ends with some things about health care and they – it'll come back up. Don't worry. Mm. Um. <clears throat> so then, he he's, you know says some more bullshit, and he says some lawmakers, mostly Democrats, want a special session to not only address the tobacco tax, but to engage in a full-blown do-over of this year's regular session. Which that's cool. Uh, we clearly fucking need that because you know, 20 like over 200 million dollars in the hole right now <laughs> mm-hmm. for basic health services for poor people in the state of Oklahoma. Kind of have to fix that shit. Um, and and what they what they then go on to do is is a bunch of fucking weasel bullshit, right? Uh, they talk about Scott Inman, who's the House Minority le- uh, Leader, and mm-hmm. who's also running for governor, governor right? As a Democrat. And Inman, as a Democrat, yeah. Uh, he And he says he wants to draft a truly bipartisan and constitutional budget plan. Uh, and I'm quoting the article now. He dismissed the cigarette tax increase as a Band-Aid put on the gaping wound of a budget hole and called for <laughs> increasing the gross production tax rate by 250%. And targeting unidentified tax credits for elimination. So,
0: you hear me cropping?
1: Yeah, it's like this is like basic like you need to do your job as a legislator, shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they do this thing here. They say we want the gross production tax rate to be Inman rather wants it to be increased by two hundred fifty percent, right? This is like that. That sounds fucking terrifying, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Unless, if you actually look up what Inman's plan is, Oklahoma would still have the lowest fucking gross production tax rate in the states. It
0: has Mm -hmm. that right
1: now. That would not change with the increase he proposes. They don't put that in there. They put in this fucking weasel number to make it sound like it's this crazy shit that's going on, right? Because they're fucking liars. They're scumbags who don't understand how politics work.
0: They they understand exactly how politics work. Don't give them that out. Yeah,
1: that's, that's why they're fucking lying like this, right? Yeah. And then they say, un- like targeting unidentified tax credits for elimination. That's not even. That's not increasing taxes. That's taking away things where we've said you don't have to pay taxes, despite mm-hmm. the rule being you need to pay taxes, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's terrible. Fuck you. No, pay your fucking taxes. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> and so they 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 continue, and then they talk about the Senate Democratic Caucus, and the Senate Democratic Caucus says, uh. Uh, urge that all revenue options be on the table for debate in special session, which is, like, also a thing. It's like, this is really fucking important because you can't pass this unconstitutional shit and let poor Oklahomans get the bill, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 they're putting this in a way that's like, oh, this is bullshit. This is a bunch of bullshit. This is so stupid. Because what they, they go after describing the rest of the stuff that people are saying, you know, that left-leaning, and by left-leaning, I mean fucking center. Center yeah. politicians yeah. in, like, any normal Majorly political spectrum
2: center.
1: are saying... They they end after this description, but with this short paragraph. But all of the tax options listed by the aforementioned politicians and groups, but of all of the tax options, uh, only one has strong public support: a tobacco tax. And and the implication here is that the state of Oklahoma doesn't have a duty to pay its bills, right? That that it can come up with this budget and then it doesn't have to pay. Well, not can all- say.
0: I, I think mm-hmm. I think there's I think there's also I think I think I think you know not only is there that problem where like it's like you know they're not even having to pay their fair share I think there's also a problem in that uh, one of the things you're sitting there looking at is going you know it says it's it's only got state support for the cigarette tax it's like okay well that's probably just not true. If people understood what was going on with the tax rate, if we had journalists who were willing to really, I mean, and, and there are, you know, monitor Oklahoma, it has an amazing, or, uh, okay. Policy Institute. Yeah. I mean, and like, you know, they have amazing breakdowns of how, you know, the gross production tax rate really works and how it can be fixed. And like, you know, you have policy-minded thinkers who are dealing with those tax issue questions
2: and, and the what's really going board...
0: on is that those politicians are just framing the discussion like, oh well, this is the only thing that'll work. And it's just not true. And and the and, and this article remembers
1: from the fucking editorial board of the Oklahoma, right? They're the ones setting policy for this paper. Mm-hmm. And so they write this fucking shit and they say, Oh, the only one with broad public support because we've been fucking hosing any other kind of revenue increasing measures. Like, yeah. taxing oil companies still at the lowest level in the fucking country. mm mm-hmm. um, and, and, and they go on immediately after this to say something that's, that's very important. Very important. Notably, the House Democrats' own budget plan endorsed a cigarette tax increase this year, but Democrats steadfastly refused to support its passage. That was initially a negotiating tactic, as Democrats tried to trade cigarette tax support for a Republican agreement to raise other taxes. But the strategy failed, and it will fail again in special session. There simply isn't the three, four supermajority support required to enact the other generally unpopular tax increases. For every Democrat vote gained in tax high, high course trading, other lawmakers defect. And so the point they say here, the implication that they make very straightforwardly is that Democrats have to change their mind. Now, if yeah. you look at, at the state government in Oklahoma, you have a Republican governor, you have a supermajority in the Senate, and in the House, the Republicans are two seats away from a supermajority. Right. Mm-hmm. Two seats away. So and, and the reason they don't have those two seats is because uh, two of their fucking politicians, one of them was having sex with underage prostitutes he was doing meth with and the other one was sexually harassing his workers and they lost those elections. Right. So yep. so that's what's going on right now. And, and the Oklahoma editorial board is saying, well, Republicans just have these opinions. Republicans have these policies because Republicans have these policies. Democrats have to change. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: they're essentially saying that Republican lawmakers don't have agency. They're not humans. They don't have this ability to change their opinion and do what needs to do to keep the state functioning. Right. Yeah. That's that's the implication. The, the baseline here is that Democrats have to bend to change so that anything can happen. And and what fundamentally this means is that no, nothing should actually happen. Because the Republicans had the majorities necessary for any tax don't, increases. And they, they, it's they didn't the same, do
0: anything. it's the same problem that we're running into with the uh, you know Congress right now is that they don't want I mean it's they don't want they they have everything they want. We're in a capitalist society where people of color and, you know, women are, you know, still as held down as they can be without it just being, you know, denying them the ability to buy land or denying them the right to vote. It's like, so, okay, well, we'll just oppress them as easily and as quietly as we can. It's the whole thing is that, you know, Donald Trump has made all of these, you know, calls to racism and calls to misogynism so loud. Uh, but the Republicans are the real nefarious evil because they have made them so quiet. It's like they still happen. They still advocate the exact same policy. Donald Trump has not signed a policy initiative that the Republicans don't want. They just don't want to rule. They don't want to do anything, but, you know. They don't want to do shit. They they just want to be Xerxes and sit back on their throne and enjoy their million-man army. And, And the fucking Oklahoman, like, stop reading the
1: Oklahoman people. Don't buy, don't get fucking pirate their articles if you can. Like, steal it from newsstands. Stop reading this because these fucking animals and their editorial policy and, and the articles they publish are so insane that they act like the party that had a supermajority in the House, the Senate, and the governorship is not able to pass tax legislation. And it is the Democrats' fault they can't do that.
2: Yeah, that's what they act
1: like. And that's not news. That's not news. That's not even fake news. That's just straight up lies.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's probably going to be uh, about it for us this week on uh, the news topics. Um, we, have, uh, we have a bunch of new stuff in the works. And uh, shout out to everybody who reached out to help out with uh, the show this week. And to, uh, you know, love to see those posters get hung up. If you uh, get one of those posters hung up somewhere in Oklahoma, hey, snap a picture of it and send it to us. Um, I know I've got some yeah. Tweeted at us, yeah. Um, and I know uh, we've got some friends over at the Woody Guthrie Center. Um, so go stack, smack some of those posters up around there. I know that the Big Woody Guthrie Merle in downtown uh, Tulsa is is awesome and a good place to get pictures of stuff like that. I might have to go down there if I'm in uh, I'll be in Tulsa next weekend, so I might try and do that. Um, so we have a really big thing, and I'm gonna let uh, Mr. Mr. Roberts tell us tell everyone about it.
1: Yeah. So uh, we. Should be interviewing DSA Tulsa uh,
0: for the show next week. So
1: you'll have to tune in for that. Uh, We're super excited we have that opportunity. Um, I think we're both pretty big fans of DSA as an organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're just really happy to hear about, you know, some on-the-ground organizing that's going on, uh, you know, to to bring that red star over Oklahoma, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Finally bring us back to the red state we used to be, not the red state we are now.
0: Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, go, go ahead and, and, uh, go over. We've got a Twitter at red star over. Okay. We've got, we mentioned the subreddit earlier, but we've got a subreddit at R red star over Oklahoma, uh, follow us and, uh, you know, subscribe and listen over at uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, if you have anything you'd like to talk to us about, or, you know, you can message any of those accounts or you can send us an email at red At gmail.com. Uh, please rate and review, and rate and review on iTunes. That's really important. I've been please checking. do that. That's so important. Yeah, I've been checking on those. Uh, and tell your friends. Um, the more of us that we get involved, the better this gets.
1: And the, I mean, the more the more friends that listen, you know, that's not the same as rating or reviewing. But the more people listening through iTunes, the higher up we go. And I yep. think last time I checked, we were the highest like podcast about like if you looked up Oklahoma on iTunes, we were the highest up podcast actually about news. Woo! That's pretty cool. That's, yeah. I mean, we were like 13th or something, but let's, 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 let's climb those charts. Yep, let's do it. All right, guys, have a great week and stay safe.
2: Yeah, be safe out there. Bye.